Hi everybody, this is Ben, and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. The podcast is a personal project and does not represent the views of my medical school or any organizations that I'm affiliated with. This is episode 17 of the podcast, and I'm just wrapping week 20 of medical school. We finished our immunology exam on Friday, and now I have two weeks off to rest and begin some projects that are due shortly after I get back. One of the things that I thought was a pretty cool concept that we learned just toward the end, uh, we were learning about autoimmunity, and these are times when your immune system can attack itself. And there are examples of parts of the body that the immune system almost never gets access to. And so the immune system is these wandering white blood cells that can travel through your, your blood system, your veins and arteries. And then if they see signals of danger in a certain area, they can actually leave the blood vessels and you know, go into your, toward your skin to fight off. Uh, an infection that's happening there, or they could go into your lungs to fight off an infection there. But there are some places where they don't ever go, and these are called immune privileged sites. One example is your eyes. Inside of your eyes is a place where um, white blood cells don't really circulate. You do get um, red red blood cells, which are carrying oxygen. They'll go into your eyes, but you don't have this sort of ongoing surveillance happening from the immune system in your eyes. So they gave us this really cool example of a child who gets hit with a baseball in their right eye and it causes some damage internally, but nothing that won't heal. And after some time, everything seems like it's back to normal. However, behind the scenes in the immune system, some of the proteins and molecules that are normally floating around in the eye have leaked out, these proteins are never usually seen outside of the eye. Well, that's exactly like when something unexpectedly shows up and your immune system that are circulate, the immune cells that are circulating around the body, um, find it and want to get rid of it. So the immune system takes note of these special molecules they don't normally see. They remember them and maybe they, they clear them out quickly and they get ready to fight them again if they, if they return. So a few weeks later, with seasonal allergies, perhaps the child rubs their other eye and starts kind of an allergic response, you know, swelling, hay fever kind of things. Now there's actually a drastic response to some of the molecules that are floating around in uh, behind the eye. This time the immune system is ready. And when it sees some of these, some of these molecules that maybe get released, it pounces, so to speak, the cells of the immune system attack all of the cells that have any of this protein or molecule on them. And that in turn releases more of that protein and the situation spirals out of control. And this is called an autoimmune hypersensitivity. And it's caused initially by the immune system gaining access to one of these privileged immune sites and then developing a reaction against any future exposures to some of those same materials that are supposed to be hidden away. As you can imagine, our immune system is really good at not attacking ourselves for the most part. But if some of these 
privileged sites get breached, then that can cause really huge problems. And you end up in this child's case, seeing the opposite eye from the one that was uh, injured in the first place, having its own secondary injury from the body's own immune system. I really enjoyed a question that I got an email. It was about what that I learned in the immune system will um, transfer forward. And this is kind of always on my mind. We have to learn so many facts and um, drug names and side effects for our tests. But then the question is always like, what are we going to retain and what are we building for the future? And so I thought I would look, look ahead and just talk about a few of the things that are going to be on our plates when we go into our next block, which is hematology, the study of blood and oncology, the study of cancers and tumors. So week one is bleeding and clotting and also how our red blood cells carry oxygen. I think we're going to learn a lot more about that in the lungs block, which is, uh, I don't know, know when that is. Then week two is about anemia, which is pretty much any time when you have too little of a certain part of your blood. Usually this means hemoglobin, which is what's carrying oxygen. So if you just don't have enough of that added up across all of your blood cells. That means you're not really able to carry oxygen around your body effectively. So you'll feel weak usually and, uh, and you'll get fatigued easily. Then the third week, it really starts to come all together and we talk about oncology. Week three is where it really seems to all come together. And this is going to be something, this whole block is actually filled with things that I've never learned before. Before in college, I had a couple weeks of immune system. I've had a semester of genetics. I have had metabolism come, come up in various courses ever since high school. I've even had a bit of an introduction to some of the molecular underpinnings of cancer genes. But at this moment, we're really going to be seeing everything that's happening inside of cancerous cells and inside of tumors as they grow and progress. And also, we're going to be learning about the different types of cancers that can come from when immune cells divide out of control. And these are lymphomas and, and leukemias. So it circles back to the immune system. The immune system itself is often responsible for preventing um, and killing tumor cells. The blood is implicated in feeding a tumor. A tumor will often have new blood cells that get rerouted to make a new blood supply for a growing tumor. And so everything is coming together in the oncology section of the course. And I think that's going to be really interesting. One of the things that's been on my mind a lot recently is how doctors communicate with their patients. Uh, I'm see, I see it with family members that have to interact with physicians or surgeons, and it's just so, so challenging to find someone that really takes time to communicate, check for your understanding, and really make sure that they're able to partner with you to get the help that you want. I saw a really great example of physician communication in the New York Times it was an article titled, 
Her wrist was swollen and excruciatingly painful. Steroids didn't help much. It's a case report by Dr. Lisa Sanders. I thought she did a really amazing job of presenting this case, a case that probably would have been very at home in the New England Journal of Medicine, but instead presenting it for the general public, an amazing example of explaining what the doctors were thinking, what the patient was feeling and experiencing and thinking, and putting both of those together into one piece that resolves at the end with a diagnosis for this patient's wrist pain. I'm going to link it in the show notes, so you should be able to get there from your podcast player and uh, look for episode 17 and find a link to this article from the New York Times. It was published December 16th, 2020. That's all I have prepared for this week. Thanks everybody for listening. I have a pretty open week, and so I'd love to answer some questions. If you have one, just send me an email at b-r-o-o-t at fastmail.com. Thanks to David Funkhauser for the intro and the outro music. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week.